one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering subreddits for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. (laughs) Give me a break, man. (laughs) You're just making fun of me. So I'll put this at the end of the episode. Yeah. (laughs) And I won't because I have the power. (laughs) Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Howling Salt Mine podcast. I am your host, Sam. And as always, I am joined with my two co-hosts, Mike and Tony. Say hey, guys. Ayo. Howdy. Ooh, nice. Nice ones today. (laughs) You are new to the Howling Salt Mine. This is a podcast where we talk about Magic the Gathering. We are three commander players. We dabble in other formats, but mostly we're commander players. Something that happens in a lot of commander games is people get salty and frustrated. And what we do is we delve into the Magic the Gathering subreddits and we find those super salty posts or posts that are just about salty topics and we bring them up here and we chat about them. But Sam, what's salt? Good question, Tony. Salt is, you know, salt is that frustrating feeling that you get in a game when things aren't going your way or you've made a bad decision and now it's haunting you and ruining your gameplay. (laughs) Or maybe someone else dropped some crazy card and it's just totally stopping your game plan or wiped your board or you're feeling unfairly targeted. It encapsulates that frustrating feeling. Shall we? Let's get into it. I got a post right here and this comes to us from Grey Wolf 2. Grey Wolf, if you guys see Grey Wolf on the subreddits, give them an upvote. You know, they're coming to us with a lot of honesty in this post and I appreciate it. Their post is titled... How do I become less toxic after RNG losses? Mm. A a good question for all of us to ponder. And the post goes, I've been playing head-to-head against my buddy in historic brawl on Arena and EDH sometimes in person, sometimes over the phone. Which is interesting. Yeah. (laughs) He always seems to squeak out the win like 7 out of 10 times of the game we play. I feel like I build as well as he does, but he seems more competitive. And any match where he's not land-starved or has a poor start, he wins. And he almost never has a poor start. My problem is likely me, as I do not think he's cheating. I think he just plays at a higher level than me. The thing is, I feel like he never lets me have fun while we're playing. It feels like every game is make or break for him. And he is damn ruthless about removal or counters. Then, when I finally get an awesome opener, I can never capitalize on it. It's extremely frustrating. And honestly makes me so toxic, I don't want to play with him anymore. I really, in general, enjoy playing with him. And he's a good friend. How can I find a way to play with him and not hate him for how he plays? Hmm. This is deep. I mean, yeah, this is a this is a weird one, too. We don't yeah. we don't see a lot of stuff about 1v1. Yeah, Tony, you lose all the time. I mean, you can relate to this, right? Because you, you kind of <laughs> suck and lose all the time. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Check our stats. Uh, let me know. Let me know how that goes. Oh, shit. Called out. 
But yeah, in particular, I think this is interesting because like they know they're salty. They're like, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling toxic. Yeah. I'm feeling hateful. How, how do I not do that? <laughs> like, yeah. In 1v1 like this, so I play a lot of arena. I play the standard formats. I play a lot of limited. I don't play a ton of brawl, but I have dabbled a little bit. And it's very interesting to see this perspective because that's just the nature of like a competitive thing. If you're always racing someone and they're faster than you, it's cool to keep racing them, but you have to know that they're going to be faster than you. Mm -hmm. And this just happens to have more randomness in it. Also, real quick, can we just like look at that one more time? Sometimes in person, sometimes over the phone. Is he like calling his friend (laughs) playing magic via a phone call? Tony, I need to... I need to call you out here. Sometimes Tony, when we play webcam, he only has available to him <laughs> his phone and he will he will point his phone at his cards and not see our board states. He will just play fully off of what we are telling him is our board states. So this is entirely possible and you have done it. I mean, that's what we call doing it raw. Like, come on. <laughs> I I used to do this in high school when we only had phones. We'd call each other and we would play over the phone. It was also in high school, so people would cheat all the time. It's so pure, though. It's great. (laughs) People would be like, oh, I drew my terror. This is perfect. I can destroy your non-black creature. (laughs) Exodia, how'd you get in this deck? Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I mean, I love that this is like a salty confessional where they're like coming before the subreddit and saying, I have sinned. I have done wrong. How do I fix this? Like what you guys are both saying, especially with the historic brawl format on Arena, it's a 1v1 format. One person is going to outpace you and you're going to lose. Like that's just kind of how it is. Like you said, Mike, when two people race, one person's going to win. In EDH though, I just got to recommend that it's a multiplayer format. You should be playing EDH multiplayer especially with the creativity that people want in EDH, like what you want to be getting out of a game, to build a deck, see what it does, and kind of have a longer game and really enjoy the journey of it. I think you're going to get a lot of frustration when you try to play 1v1, especially without using that 1v1 specific ban list. Yeah, I think that's actually a great point of like how to be less toxic after it is to just play with more people. I think the biggest thing that happens with this is in 1v1, everything's targeted at you, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're drawing all the hate because you're removing stuff. And if you're not removing stuff, they're removing your stuff. And like everything just gets out of control, like very quickly, like games are lost much faster. He specifically talks about how his opponent almost never has a poor start. You know, there's a little bit of discussion in here about that start of the game. They lose even when they have a good start. Their opponent rarely has a poor start. That kind of plays into the 1v1 nature of a game where the game can really be won in the early turns. How well did you start? How aggressive are you? Who's building their board state faster? Whereas in a multiplayer game, when you're spreading that around, I mean, we've all seen this dynamic hundreds of times. Most people are kind of letting each other grow their boards and really seeing who like flexes hardest first and then they become a target versus just immediately throwing your shit at somebody to outpace them. Also, playing on Arena like this is really interesting in that one of these players may just be more active on Arena. And in that case, their general card quality in their decks is just going to be slightly higher. Like they may just have more 
you know, available lands. They may have faster land base available to them. They may have slightly better removal and counter spells, like just marginally better. If your whole deck is that line between a rare and uncommon, it's not impossible to overcome, but it's likely that that deck that just has a little bit more of a rare count to it is going to be a little better in a one-on-one format like that. So, uh, so what do we think? What's the salt ranking here? Considering that this kind, kind person has brought their salt to the table. Yeah, I think it's self-identified salt. And uh, in that sense, I, I think it's a pretty mild salting here. It's a real enough salt that they're ready to bring it forward, but they're acknowledging it's their problem. And, and I think they have hope for the future. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think this is like a salty communion wafer where, <laughs> you know, you eat it. I don't know that, I don't know Do that they... that's going to resonate. No, no, just hear me out, guys. Hear me out. <laughs> Do those come salty? Uh, I mean, at my weird church when I was growing up, they were like fucking <laughs> oyster crackers. You know, those are pretty salty. <laughs> But you, like you know, salty it's salty, but after you wafer. eat it, you feel purified by the truth. Oh, I see. <laughs> I gotcha. Which oh, is nice. which is magic and not religion. Oh, I've got to edit all this out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that one. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, that's weaker. Now it's all staying in. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, what do you think? About the communion wafer or <laughs> about the pose? Oh, oh about yeah. the pose. What's your salt rating? Uh, yeah, I think it, it's pretty casual. I think it's again commendable that they identify that they're something and they're trying to like figure out how to not be. Definitely, because I, I I've felt that way a little bit sometimes. So you know, just to point at the comments a little bit, this is actually an interesting one because I I did comment and chat with this OP a little bit. You know, one of the things I said was we all get salty from time to time and don't beat yourself up because it's just something that's going to happen in the game. The reason we started this podcast is because all of us get salty and we think it's kind of funny and something to chat about and celebrate. And, you know, sometimes when you're in that headspace, you just want to turn it around and like kind of look at it a little bit or turn into a joke or try to make light of it. We have a bunch of different ways of doing that in our group. And, you know, it just happens. It's part of the game. You just kind of got to accept it and, and work on it a little bit. Nice. So uh, what's up? You got another one for us? You know I got another one. This one's going to be great. You guys are going to really love this one. So this is actually from the Magic TCG subreddit. Hmm? We are hmm. we are straying. Branching out. Exactly. Branching out. Diversifying. Is that legal? Can we do that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can do whatever we want, man. For sure. Right. Just check. And this comes to us from user Proto Clamor. You guys see Proto Clamor out there? Hit them with an upvote, you know, spread some goodwill. And this is called winning with someone else's turn. So this isn't about a salty situation, but maybe it is about a salty situation. You will find out in a moment. And they say, (laughs) hello all, interested in hearing other opinions about winning games using cards like Mind Slaver or Worst Fears to kill everybody else at the table. I know salt can flow when these cards can be played quickly or abused to some degree, like recurring Mind Slaver in a 1v1 scenario. What I'm asking is if this type of effect comes up as a result of organically playing a game for about one hour and a win is presented, would you take the opportunity? Why might you not include these types of cards if you're in the opposite camp? Thanks for the thoughts. (laughs) So before we go, let me just read what these cards do. Mind Slaver. 
is a six mana legendary artifact as an activated ability. Uh, you pay for it and tap it and sacrifice it. You control target player during that player's next turn. And the reminder text says, you see all cards that player could see and make all decisions for that player. There's also a subline of text that says, everyone fucking hates you. And lots of soul <laughs> flows when this card is played. <laughs> <laughs> Similarly, Worst Fears, uh, which I actually, I, I didn't really know about this one. I haven't seen this really ever. Worst Fears cost seven and a black for a sorcery. You control target player during that player's next turn. Exile Worst Fears. Same reminder text as before. Now, but the subtext on that says you can only do this once so people hate you less. Well, I mean, it's an exile. There are ways to get Yeah, oh yeah, I guess it's an, it's an exile. So, like that's yeah. what makes Narcissus it. Reversal. Narcissus reversal. Narcissus reversal There you go. Just like freaking you said it was seven, so it's like nine mana to do that repeatedly. Narset's reversal on an ISO scepter. Yeah. It's the only way to combo combo. <laughs> if anybody beats me doing that, I'm like, okay, here for it. Like, that was cool. Didn't see that coming. Like, unique. Mm. Yep. Uh, but as I, it may be apparent, I fucking hate Mind Slaver. <laughs> and I think it's like, uh, I just hate that. It's just such a bad feeling. Like someone just takes over your turn, does everything. You watch them play your turn as inefficiently as possible and just like wasting all your resources. And it's, it just doesn't feel good at all. So just to clarify, Tony, you're saying you don't like these cards? Correct. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's interesting. Again, they're calling out the 1v1 scenario, which is like, really kind of weird that we're seeing that a second time in a day well this is on but, the, the magic tcg subreddit so uh, right so this isn't just edh i gotcha i feel like they're only saying it's bad in a 1v1 scenario he's kind of like otherwise if i just recur it it's fine like if it's multiplayer because maybe the assumption is someone else is going to do something about it i've seen some weird loops where people just like take control of the whole freaking board uh and no one gets another turn uh, I've played some weird doesn't. loops where I've done that to you guys. Yeah, same. <laughs> That's what I'm referencing. <laughs> yeah, Emery used to do that as well. Yeah. I think they're fine. To me, it's no different than having a different win con that is a little clunky and slow to assemble. Like we mentioned this a lot. You know, you're usually resolving these spells if it's going to end the game. And if you're not resolving it to end the game, it's kind of a weird choice of an include in the deck Mm -hmm. because it's not going to do much except draw a lot of hate. So I think it's fine to include these, in my view. Yeah, I'm on the exact same page, Mike. Worst Fears is a bit of a weird card. It's a little bit more expensive. It's not as abusable. But as far as Mindslaver goes, I've played Mindslaver in a few decks, and I think it is a great win con. But to play it outside of your win con, is kind of weird. I mean, it's one of those cards that if you just play it as a one-off, take control of someone's turn randomly, and you don't win, well, surprise, that person's going to have like a vendetta against you for the rest of the game <laughs> and will probably try to knock you out. Whereas if you're playing it, like I played it in my Duretti Artifact Aristocrats deck, and I would play it and recur it and Mindslaver like two to three people around. And if you're doing that, then... I don't think it's as salty because the game is going to end, you know? Mm-hmm. I just feel like a lot of the time it doesn't end. And even in those scenarios when that happens, usually what it is is it's going to take a while to get there. Like they have the pieces to constantly like replay 
Mindslaver, but in like reality, right? You can just skip and be like, you guys never get to take a turn again, but sometimes it's not totally sure and you have to play out some amount. And mm-hmm. so it, I think that's what tends to generate a lot of salt, right? Like a lot of churn with no real end game. Like nothing really happens. Like board state changes, people get annoyed, and then it's like, up. Oh, the loop's broken and I can't keep doing it. And now I just wasted 30 minutes of everyone's time. I'm going to point to a comment here. And this person says, you simply don't play Mind Slaver without a plan to abuse it. And for worst fears, either you abuse it or it's not worth having it in your deck. Villainous Wealth is the fair and fun version of these effects, which I kind of agree with, kind of don't really agree with uh, the Villainous Wealth part. I do think it's an interesting comparison because it's about like stealing cards and playing them from another person, but that's a little bit different than what we're talking about here. Yeah, it's really the turn aspect of it. It's not the cards that you're getting to play. It's the fact that it's the turn Mm -hmm. because you can do stupid things like tap out all their lands or, you know, sacrifice all their permanents if they've got the OP Zurin or about in play. So you just (laughs) got to, it's so much more than just you get to play some cards. Yeah, definitely. So uh, what do we think is the uh, assault rating here, boys? I think this was a little bit of a bait. Uh, I think this was someone throwing a net out into a salty sea and seeing what they got back out (laughs) because they assumed these were hated cards. And I think uh, I don't think they got very much, honestly, from from the comments that I'm reading here. Mm -hmm. I think I think people had pretty reasonable responses to this. Yeah, I think they they definitely got some salt from me, but uh, other than that, it seems pretty low key. <laughs> Tony just dove headfirst into that salty net <laughs> <laughs> and wrapped it around him like a snuggie. He was yeah, <laughs> like, let me in. Uh, yeah, I agree with you guys. I don't think this is a super salty post. I mean, the content of it, you know, these are very salty cards. Clearly, very polarizing cards. You know, the OP is right here. Salt can flow. And it will. And it does when these cards get played. But as far as the post itself, you know, I, I think it's a it's a decent discussion. And honestly, it seems like most people are on the same page in this post. They're like, hey, if you can abuse it and it leads to a win con, that's fine. Give us another one, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. I do have another one. Hey. Alrighty. This is an interesting one. A little different. Again, a post that's not immediately salty in itself, but kind of deals with a topic that can get people salty. So this one comes to us from user NewFatherZero. If you guys see him on the subreddits, give him an upvote. And we are back in the EDH subreddit, back home, back in the arms of our, our safe space here. Thank God. (laughs) I was feeling unsafe. (laughs) And the title of this one is, When do you start to kill off players in casual games? And the post says, In my playgroup, we all have a strong aversion to dealing lethal damage to any player too early in the game. Generally, we all aim to get people to a vulnerable position, less than 20 life, before starting to eliminate threatening players. It's not fun to be removed too early from an hours-long game and have to sit there nor does it feel good to do that to someone. A general rule of thumb we use is only to start dealing damage when you feel like you're in a position to win the game. How do you feel about this? When do you start killing players in non-CDH games? This is a good one. 
I think uh, I think a lot of people suffer from this a little bit where maybe not so formalized, but like usually when someone starts to get down to the single digits, everyone starts to leave them alone if they're not like overly threatening. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times those people wind up winning the game because they're just sort of like left there to do nothing. And I'm always sitting there and I got Emperor Palpatine in the back of my mind being like, do it. And like, I don't, <laughs> but this is an interesting one because it kind of has two sides to a very salty coin. On one side, there's a, a lot of EDH players that feel very similarly to this. They want longer games. And when someone gets knocked out early before they can really see what their deck does, you know, really kind of explore the fun space of, of Commander, they get salty for getting knocked out early. Conversely, on the other side of the coin, there are players who want faster games and players who really want to be moving things along, interacting a lot, and they will get salty if you're forcing them to try to play this type of game where they're saying, well, you can't kill people before turn seven. And they're like, but I'm ready to kill someone on turn five. Yeah. Yeah. I think the idea of games, like the game length being decided by how many players are remaining in the game is a little bit uh, misleading because a game with just two players left may reach a very fair stalemate that continues on for another 10 turns uh, and a game with four players left may go through one turn cycle and have everyone killed in that exact turn cycle so it's really purely more about just making sure everyone remains in the game which is a pretty decent way of avoiding salt but i think that it's likely that situations like that require someone sandbagging a little bit mm. which i i don't always think is the best for a pod yep I think this also sort of like can speak to when it happens, like how quickly does this happen? Because I know I, for uh, example, run a Willow Dusk deck where I do some life gain manipulation shenanigans and I'll like one shot somebody, right? So they'll go from 40 to zero because I just hit them and killed them out of nowhere on turn like three, three or four. <laughs> like <laughs> we're not talking like late into the game. And it's because that deck wants to do that quickly, like take people out. But then if if I don't finish the game out quickly there afterwards, it turns into these like longer slogs. So it's like yeah. I've killed one or two people from, and really just remove them from the game and we play the rest of the game without them. And so if we're planning on playing more that night, the inevitability is like they're just going to sit there and watch. And if it takes too long and the other player's like, all right, I'm done now. I don't want to play anymore. Then that person feels even worse because... Yeah. They just sat and watched a whole game of Magic and didn't even then get to play afterwards. So it leads to salt that lasts for like multiple games. Definitely. Yeah. Kind of the story behind this post is really about a, a group of friends who want to make sure that their other friends are enjoying the game to like the maximum capacity. You know, very similar to you, Tony. I have my Rafik Aura Voltron deck and sometimes I just knock people out super early. For a while, it was something that I felt kind of guilty about and, and I would spread around the damage and then I would kind of lose. And eventually I just got to this point where I was like, well, why did I build this deck? I built the deck to knock people out very quickly. So I should just do it when I have the opportunities. And, that, mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of a different philosophy where it's like, like Mike said something about sandbagging. And I think that, is super true. Like I don't really want to play at a table 
where I know people are, are are pulling their punches. You know, I want to have a more intense game. I mean, I, I don't want to be like overly targeted unfairly. I think that there should be a balance to the game. But at the same time, I don't want someone to be like, well, I could end the game and I'm choosing not to because Sam hasn't done something interesting with his deck yet. And it's like, just kill me and I'll do something interesting in the next game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there are certain strategies and certain deck game plans that could lend themselves to this kind of idea where people are all roughly in the game until the game is close to being ended. And I think that it's the kind of sentiment or rule that really is best as kind of an unspoken rule or as just like kind of general agreement between a pod, like something that came about naturally. I think as soon as you tried to codify this into something more, you know, restrictive or more official within your pod, it would lead to some really feels bad moments within the pod. Like you would have people thinking, well, I could get rid of this threat, but I can't because I can't also kill the other players. I think it's, it's great. I'm glad this pod has something that works for them. It sounds like they managed to have games where people get to hang out in the game for a long time, but it's just not going to work for everyone. It's not going to work for every deck strategy and it's not necessarily going to work even for each game. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of those points you made there. Uh, I think the interesting thing about the sandbagging that we're kind of talking about here, kind of like you were mentioning, that that's almost like an internal call. Like that's not something you necessarily make a rule about or, or any of these things. It's like I'm playing a game right now, and in, in a lot of scenarios, maybe like my deck is too powerful compared to like what's at the table. Like I made a mistake when we first set up and started playing, and I've done this before. I do. I'll I'll sandbag something because I'm like. This is, it's just, it's just, it's not even fun for me, like, to just, like, <laughs> fucking just crush people that are just not ready to deal with the threat that I'm either going to put down or, like, how I could play a turn. But I can still do something else that's, you know, progresses the game. Like, I'm, it's not like I'm just letting nothing happen and just sitting there, like, you know, Timmy's got three life and we're just going to let him sit there and dirtle for, like, 20 turns. Eventually, I'm going to kill him, you know, but... It becomes an individual's call, like depending upon your scenario and everything. Definitely. Often when I'm making that choice to play a little slower, usually it's because I don't want to stick my neck out super far. Mm. Like Rafik is a great example. Sometimes if I drop like a turn two or three Rafik and just start smashing people at the table, everyone gets scared and my whole board just gets wrecked. And then, and then I'm just like super behind all game. So usually when I'm I'm kind of making that choice to like play a little slower, it's specifically because I don't want to build into this target. I do also want to say one other thing about what Mike was saying about codifying these types of rules into a game. So I think I've talked about it a couple times here, but I used to coordinate an EDH league. It's still ongoing, but a common piece of it is that we try to figure out these rules of the game. But one rule I want to mention was we had this rule that no one could be killed until turn seven. And that was like codifying this type of thing into the game. And you know what it did? It gave the first person in rotation a massive advantage because they were Mm -hmm. the first person who had the ability to kill people at the table. So it, it wasn't as powerful as like the game was decided by turn order, but it, it definitely lended this imbalance to how the game was run this kind of stuff just needs to be a gut feeling just like figure it out with your group and and kind of let it go from there so 
it's that time. What do we think about the salt rating? I'd say this is less about, you know, the post in this scenario as much as it is about, like, killing p- p- players early. Like, how much salt do we think that tends to generate? Like, where, where does it lie? I kind of said it before. I think this is sort of like... Uh, I, I can't think of a great example of an actual salt thing. <laughs> but th- this really depends on what you are as a player. You might view this situation and be like, that is sugary sweet for me. That is exactly the kind of situation I want at my table. And you might look at this and be like, people pulling punches, long games, multiple hours to a game. That is a salty situation for me. I don't want a piece of it. Yeah, to me, this is someone describing their low salt diet in really ecstatic terms and really preaching it. And that's not going to be to everybody's taste. So, and there it is, Mike. Mike coming, <laughs> Mike coming through with the good metaphor. That is definitely it. I feel like it's a low salt mine. diet. I, I love. I was going to say it was kind of like like potato chips. It's like that salt that I kind of like. You know, <laughs> like I killed somebody. Hey, I know they're going to be salty. They're salt at the bottom of the bag, but like, hey, all I got was the chip, so it's fine. Oh yeah, <laughs> knocking out someone early is like having a salt bagel it is delicious but it is overpowering (laughs) it's so good yeah i love it but i also feel really bad (laughs) hey mike it's that time again what is the salty card of the week the salty card of the week (laughs) (laughs) well i've got a real treat for us this week This is one that I expect most commander players would have seen at some point in their games. Statements made. Mm -hmm. This Mm. week's salty card is Cyclonic Rift. (laughs) It is one in a blue for an instant. And the text is return target non-land permanent you don't control to its owner's hand. And it has overload six and a blue where you replace all target... Uh, all instances of target with each. So, Sam, does this card make you salty? Uh, not really. I, I kind of love this card, man. <laughs> Honestly, I don't see it much in casual anymore because like every once in a while I do, we don't have a ton of blue decks in our meta. Honestly, I play it more in CDH, just use it as a baby rift. But I do love it. I love it. It's versatile. It can almost be a win con if your board state is in the right spot. I think the times when I don't like it and it does make me salty is when it's just dropped out of nowhere as like a board wipe and more like a reset point. And that player isn't really using the asymmetry of the card to pull themselves into a win. Mm-hmm. Tony, I see you building up over there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like Tony's face is getting red. <laughs> So yeah. Tony, does this card make you yes, salty? Yes, it fucking makes me salty. But like, <laughs> I feel that, like this makes clearly in the mic. This there, makes sir. so many people salty. But it's like one of those things where they don't they don't really talk about it, right? Everyone's just like slowly picking their fucking cards up off the table, and they're like, "Yep, you just did it." I'm not salty about this as they slowly gather up every fucking permanent they have. But not land, Tony. Firstly, it not is, land. It's a fucking blue card, so fuck blue. But I do have to admit, <laughs> I have played this card, and it generated so much salt <laughs> that one of our pod members, who shall remain unnamed, Cough Nick, uh, <laughs> conceded in the moment. He was like so really? mad. And weirdly enough, 
I wound up losing that game. Like I definitely thought I had it. <laughs> and uh Sam actually came out with the win in that game. Yeah. Hey. It, was, it was one of the first times I played my Obeka deck. Uh and I oh, like really? wiped the whole table and Sam and Mike were like, No, we'll we'll play it out. It seemed like it was over, I'm not gonna lie, but then I don't even remember the, the turn of events. So I'll yeah, it definitely generates a lot of salt. I have felt the salt and given the salt, so I mean, I've heard people call for this card's banning, mm -hmm. so it's definitely salty. Yeah. Like, some people don't think this should be played at casual tables. Yeah, yeah. I think that's aggressive, but, like, I do think it generates a good amount of salt. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about this, Mike? Yeah, so for me, I don't think the card itself makes me salty. I don't think having it cast on me or casting it myself really makes me salty very much. The piece that does make me salty about this is that it, it is one of those blue cards that very few blue decks would not be improved by adding a psych rift. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I, I think one of the things I love about EDH is the really silliness that gets involved in deck building and the odd cards that get pulled in and the, the difference that is every single deck. And so things that homogenize it like that, I, I don't really enjoy and you're missing out on power if you're not including it. So I think that's what makes me salty about it, honestly. It is objectively one of the better, if not the best, board wipes in the game because of the asymmetry of it, because it's instant speed. Like, there's so many reasons to run it that, like, if you compare Cyclonic Rift versus, like, you know, Wrath of God or something, like, Psych Rift is just better every single time. Sure, you're bouncing stuff. You're not actually putting things in the graveyard. But the effect is just, it's such a hit to the other people's tempo of the game that like it's just hard to come back from. But it's also mm -hmm. flexible. So you you don't even have yeah. to bounce the whole board. You can bounce like a single threat that's going to like end you. Um, and it only hits for two off of Adnaz, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm curious, Mike, where did this, where does this sit on the list? Yeah, so this is coming in right after Urza. This is 13th on the mm -hmm. top 100 salty cards. Wow. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. It's also painful that it's so expensive at this point. And yeah. so, you know, decks that you kind of ought to be running that are expensive, that just feels bad. And, and I dislike that. How much is Psych yeah. Rift these days? It's $30 these days. Oh, yeah. There is like a little veneer of price that comes into salty card evaluation. Mm -hmm. Like, I think one of the reasons why Urza, you know, we talked about in the last episode, there's so many reasons why that card is salty. Another one is that right after it was printed, it was like 40 bucks. So if you wanted one, it was very hard to get. Um, right. And sometimes sometimes that drives a lot of salt as well. The, the exclusivity of a card. Totally. All right. Well, that does it for the salty card of the week. Thanks, Mike. And thank you, listener, for tuning in this week. <laughs> only oh. The only one of you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> singular listener oh that's no it'll be, so it's i mean listeners i was just i'm assuming they're all listening by themselves i don't know mm, yeah. <laughs> if you're having a listening party and all of you are gathered around listening to our show like fucking let us know man we'll i'll give you money out of my wallet <laughs> <laughs> bold statements i won't i won't do that but but seriously thank you for tuning in if you like what we're doing, subscribe. Subscribe to our stuff. We're, we 
plan to drop episodes on the weekly. Do you guys have anything you want to plug? Mike, what's your what's your streaming situation you got there? Yeah, so I'm hoping and kind of planning on being streaming from two to five most weekdays. I mostly play magic. I might throw a little bit of Civ in there, maybe a little bit of maybe a little bit of team fight tactics, but it, it's mostly going to be magic uh, in the meantime. So definitely stop Sweet. by if you're looking for some some limited games. What's that name? How do we find you? That's uh, Twitch slash Siloturk. We'll we'll put the link somewhere that is accessible, I hope. Yeah, it'll be somewhere. And speaking of links, follow us on our social media, guys. We, we got a bunch of accounts going now. Uh, follow us on our Instagram at The Howling Salt Mine. Follow us on Twitter at Howling Salt Mine. No, the. It's too many characters. We couldn't get it. <laughs> Check out our Moxfield, The Howling Salt Mine. We got Tony's Rubinia deck up there that we talked about a couple weeks ago or a couple episodes ago. You know, make that deck. Piss off your friends. Steal their stuff and uh, and trick them into thinking that you might give it back. But, but, you, <laughs> but you actually don't do that. <laughs> and of course, follow us and find us on Reddit. Um, our Reddit account is The Howling Salt Mine. You may see us chatting on EDH. Sometimes we get involved in the, the Monday morning posts and you know, give out some advice when we can. And lastly, email us, y'all. Email us at thehowlingsaltmine at gmail.com. Um, I will say in previous episodes, you may have said howlingsaltmine at gmail.com. That still works too. But I'm trying to get some brand consistency here. And email us your salty stories. I would love to hear more salty confessionals, like what we heard uh, earlier today from that one poster. That was delicious. I, I appreciate it. I'm coming from the same place very often in my salty games, or I'm just racked with guilt afterwards. Uh, I'd love to hear about that. And also let us know how you've made your friends salty with your cool cards, your combos, your interesting deck lists. Let us know about that stuff. We will talk about it on the show. Um, and... You know, as always, you want to keep it short, sweet, and to the salt. But of course, if it's a little bit longer, we'll still read it. We just might cut out some of the content, paraphrase it a little bit. Anything, any final words of wisdom there, guys? Salt it up. Salt it up, y'all. <laughs> well, thanks again, everybody. And as always, stay salty. And don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step. It's the howling salt Say it. Say what? Oh, say the transition. Yeah. Give me another one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll go with Tony's. <laughs> <laughs>